good morning. Are you as excited as I am to be here today? Amen. Well, all right, 12 of us, 13 maybe. It's Easter, and he has risen. You know, I was thinking about this this morning, uh, and I was thinking to myself about how happy I am that as a believer, Easter is every day. You know, I mean, I'm excited about this particular day, and I'm thankful that we get to get together and celebrate, and it's an amazing celebration that's going on in here today. But I thought how encouraging it is for me to know every day when I wake up and my feet hit the floor that Jesus is still Lord and he is still God and he still died and rose from the grave and he still sits at the right hand of the Father and he he still makes intercession for me. And every day he is alive and every day is Easter. And I am so thankful to be one of his kids today. Amen. Lord, we're here to celebrate you and we bless you and give you praise. Amen. So glad to see all of you. Some of you here for the first time. We welcome you as our guest. want to tell you how much we appreciate you being here, all of you. And I want to say a special thanks to so many of you who um, came early and parked a long way away and walked in the rain. It was raining. I don't know if it still is or not, but it was raining earlier. And I know a lot of you parked completely off the premises to make room uh, for all the people who would be here today. And And I appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. I tell you, you look around this room and you realize why it's necessary for us to have discussions about going to two services. In fact, this August, that's what we plan to do, go to two morning services. And and now you can see a a reason why Easter is a good indication of if everybody came to our church was here at one time, uh, we wouldn't have enough seats for all the people uh, in this room. And in fact, even while you look around and you say, well, there's several people here today Well, right now, there's another service that is being conducted in Spanish across the parking lot. There's probably 150 people over there, maybe. And in the children's area, there's probably another 150 people. And so uh, you could tell there's quite a few of us here on this campus this morning. And we want to continue to make room for for that growth and for that to happen. But I do appreciate all of you for for being a part of this service today. And if, if this is your first time and you don't have a church uh, we want you to be welcomed. We want you to feel like you're among family and friends. We want you just to to uh, take a look at us before you look somewhere else and get on that website and take a look at all the ministries and programs that we have. And I think that uh, once that you give Trinity a shot, you won't want to go anywhere else. I'm convinced it's the best church in the world. And I haven't been to all of them, but I've been to a few. Amen. But this is a church filled with good people who have a common goal, and that is to serve Jesus and get to heaven and bring everybody that they can with them. And that's what we're here to do. And so this morning, I want you to get your Bible and turn to John chapter 15. This is not going to be what you would consider your normal Easter message. How many of you know that after 22 years, I like to throw curveballs from time to time? And so I don't like to get too settled. I don't want people to come in and think that we're in some kind of a box around here. We're just in a Holy Ghost box. We're in a real, real big box with no sides and no parameters. And that means that the Holy Spirit could do whatever he wants to do. And so uh, today we are not going to, to preach your typical, what you would have thought maybe you would hear. But instead, it's a word of encouragement. I, I, I'm very, very excited about this word today. I've studied this passage before. I've preached this passage before. And I know there is no new revelation. God complete, just, uh, all he does is inspire his current word, but there is not a new revelation. So I don't have a new, I don't have something new from God today. I have uh, an old, real good word that he has 
uh, illuminated to my spirit. And as I have studied it, it has, it has taken on even new meaning, more meaning that I think is going to be encouraging to some of you today. I want you to look at verse one. And today I'm reading from the modern King James version. I like the way that it words this. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every one that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bring forth more fruit. And now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it remains in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. And in this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about every branch. Every branch. Every branch, according to this passage, will be scrutinized by the vine dresser. Every branch is going to be handled as needed or necessary. And you and I are one of every branch if we are believers. How many people in this room today would, would amen to me or wave a hand at me to signify the fact that at some point in your life, you consciously made a decision to follow Jesus and make him Lord and Savior. If that's you, say amen. Every person in this room who can point to a time, and I'm convinced that if you belong to Christ, if you've given your heart to Jesus, then you know when that happened. I guarantee you, I know my birthday. I went around all the time when I was a little kid telling people, November 2nd, everybody, November 2nd. Because I knew if I told them when my birthday was, maybe they'd get me something. So I told everybody, remember November 2nd, I told everybody, remember remember November 2nd. I'm convinced that everybody knows their birthday. And when you have been born again of the Spirit, when you have given your heart to Christ, it is such a, the, the Bible says that you become a new creature. And at that moment, it makes such an impression in your life. You're going to remember that. So whenever I ask people, I say, well, are you a believer? And they say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'm a Christian. You know, I say, really, you know, now tell me about your conversion experience. Well, I don't really remember when it happened. I mean, specifically, I just always been in church and my family's always went to church and I just always say, you don't know your birthday? You don't know your birthday? That states to me that you have never personally dealt with the issue of who is Jesus. If you've ever specifically asked him to come into your heart and to forgive you for your sins and you meant it, you'll remember that moment. Something happens in the spirit in you that, and it changes you forever. You'll never forget that moment. Now, today I said that as a foundation to where I'm going. I want you to understand that this passage of scripture is talking to fellow believers. There are some that would try to twist this scripture and say that there's two different groups of people being dealt with here, Christians and non-Christians, believers and unbelievers, but that's not the case. This passage of scripture is to and about believers. It's about people who have made Jesus their Lord and their Savior. And I'm going to show you how that is true here in a few minutes. 
But every person that has invited Jesus to come into their heart and forgive them of their sins has been grafted into this spiritual vine and they are now one of every branch. Every one of you are a branch. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, then you are a branch and this message is specifically talking about you. So nobody in this room that is a believer can just go to sleep now and say, well, this is not for me. It's for you. In fact, the only people in this room that it's not for are unbelievers, and they're going to be included in this too. Everybody is included in this message today. What does it mean? If, if I look at this in a way that, uh, if I don't dig down to understand this, then this becomes a fearful kind of passage. This is the kind of passage that if I look at it, it caused me to live in fear and think, oh, I better be careful. I'm about to get snipped off and thrown in a fire here. And some of us grew up in, in pretty, um, pretty tough environments for believers. Some of us grew up in some pretty strict and, and, and even legalistic type situations where that, where that it was give your heart to Jesus and if you ever make a mistake again, That's it. Straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just gear up and get on to hell because there's no, you know, no recourse for you. You better get saved and stay perfect. So some people say, well, I'm not going to get saved until later on in life because I can't be perfect. I'm afraid if I, you know, I give my heart to Jesus and I mess up, I still, I, I just got such a misconception of what God wants for us when he talks about an abundant life. He doesn't want you to wait until you can stay perfect before you give your heart to Christ. How much would you miss out on? I'd miss out on 52 years so far. And people like me and some of you I'm looking at, if that were the case, if we had to stay perfect after salvation, then we're not going to get to pray that prayer till we're on our deathbed. Because we live five minutes past that prayer, we're doing something. Thinking something, saying something, doing something. I talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. One of my favorite passages in Scripture says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. And be ye not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I just am not going to let anybody tangle me up again in the yoke of bondage. There is a freedom. There is an abundance that comes from knowing Jesus. And every person in this room that's made that commitment, you are one of these every branches that he's talking about. He's not talking about sinners. He's talking about believers. So today, this is either going to be a a, a very urgent warning or, or an unfathomable encouragement, depending on your reception and decision of what these verses mean. In order to get where we're going, though, I, I've, got, I've got to direct you to the passage, and I, I need to, uh, uh, to familiarize you with the characters in this story because it's only then that you're going to be able to see your place in all of this. And so let's go back to it and look at this. I want you, first of all, to take a look at the vine. The vine is that what, what would be a probably 36 to 42-inch stump that grows up out of the ground and all the rest of the branches are attached to that and and this is where all of the rest of the vineyard receives its nourishment and it receives its strength and it receives its power it comes from the vine and the vine is jesus 
divine is Jesus. He is perfect. He is healthy. He is strong. He is constantly producing what is necessary for the branches to be healthy, vibrant, and productive. Jesus is always good. We talked about a tree last week about having them the roots planted so that when the, the dry season come, it doesn't matter because the tree is so deep that it's getting its nourishment. Well, Jesus is the vine that is planted so deep that he's constantly taking in the nourishment and he's dispersing and dispensing that among all of the branches so that they can be productive. Every branch say amen. This is the vine, Jesus, the vine dresser is the one that goes around in the vineyard and he is the one that tends to the vineyard. He's the one that determines what to do with the branches and how to keep the vines uh, safe and how to keep them strong. And this is our father God in the story. So the father's going around and he's tending to the vineyard. The branches, as I've told you, are you and I. Everybody that's been grafted into the vine after they made the decision to follow Jesus. The scripture says now that all of those branches, if we abide, now abide means if we continue. It means if we stay. It means if we endure. So the scripture says, now if all of these branches continue, if they stay, if they abide, if they endure in the vine, no matter what, that they will bear fruit, much fruit it says. There's also a great blessing that's given to these at this point. It says that they'll be able to ask whatever they will and it'll be given to them. Now, how is that true? Well, because when you are truly a branch and you're, and you're living as unto Jesus, then your prayers are going to be the kind of prayers that he can answer because you're going to pray prayers that are according to his will, way, and word, and God's going to be able to answer those prayers so he understands that. These are not selfish baby kinds of prayers. Uh, people that say, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation, then I'm going to ask God to give me a million dollars. And if you don't give me a million dollars, then he's not really God. That's just immature and you're not even saved. The saved person is a person that prays a prayer. They mean it. They dedicate, dedicate their heart, commit their heart to Christ. And from then on, they start praying prayers that are, that are becoming more and more mature. And they're effectual and they're fervent and they're productive. Because their prayers about other things than just themselves. So he says that these branches now are abiding in him, and because they are abiding in him, they are able to ask whatever they will, and it will be given unto them. Why would this happen? Because the vine wants to make sure that the branches who are producing keep producing, so he will give them whatever they need to continue to make them productive. You still with me? See a few heads nodding. Let's keep going. What a wonderful promise. So he talks about this producing fruit what does it mean to be producing fruit well that can mean a lot of things that can mean that you're winning souls but it's not just that and i've heard that before that that producing fruit if you're not out there winning 15 souls a day to jesus then you're not it but the bible didn't even tell us to go you therefore and win people to jesus did it the bible and the great commission by jesus himself was go you therefore and make disciples So then it seems to me that Jesus would be very happy with people that were in the process of not just trying to win people to him by preaching them the message, but by making disciples. 
We're out there in the, in our going, in our living, at our job, at our school, wherever it is, we're in the process of being a productive branch that has healthy fruit so that people are seeing the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit operating through us whereby they are being drawn to Christ and we are discipling them. I believe God is more interested in that kind of fruit than he is in the guy that stands out on the street and hollers, be saved or you're going to go to hell, be saved or you're going to go to hell. So this producing of fruit can be an individual that is, that is winning souls, but it's also this person that's discipling the new convert, teaching the word, or just simply living out every day of their life with the fruit and the, of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit being evident in their life. These are the signs of a healthy branch. And this is what the Scripture said, this is what pleases Jesus and brings glory to the Father. You see it, it's right there. I want to live my life, Pastor, in such a way that, that brings glory to God. Well, you want to do that? Then be a productive branch. If you really mean that, be a productive branch. That means this is not about you. This means that you don't get to be your own branch, grow your own vine, go off and do your own thing. It means you've got to abide in the vine. You've got to live in the vine. And here's what the vine does. And the vine is holy, so be you holy. And the vine is sanctified, so be you sanctified. And all those kinds of things. But you abide in the vine... And then there's some really cool blessings that come with that. Anything and everything that you ask, according to his will, it shall be done. Powerful word, isn't it? Now, any branch that doesn't meet these qualifications is a different story. Here's why I, I want to take you back. I, I, would, I, would, I would direct you back to verses 2 and 3 and also to verse 6. If you have your Bible, you look at that, and they're talking about the, the, both of those places talking about the same thing. Basically, they talk about uh, branches that get that get cut away and thrown into the fire. That's a little bit discouraging. If you're not careful, that's the one that's that's where it'll throw you. But I'm here to tell you today that after studying this a little bit further, I realize there's a difference between verse two and three and verse six. Verse 6 is that last ditch effort. It's that last, I don't know what else to do. It's that last thing of the father, the vine dresser, having gone through the vine and trying, uh, gone, gone through the vineyard, the vineyard and trying to deal with these branches and trying to get these branches right at some point having no other recourse because the branch just won't abide. At some point, he then has to cut that branch so that it won't negatively affect the rest of the vine. At that point, it is cast into a fire and burned. But here's where we have a problem. Some of us are into the vine cutting ministry and we want to cut vines that ain't ready to be cut. Here's somebody that messed up. Let's cut that one off and cast them into the fire. I can't believe she wore that dress to church on Easter Sunday morning. I can't believe that guy was outside the building smoking a cigarette. On Easter Sunday morning. Oh my God in heaven. I'm going to tell you something. God's concerned by a whole lot more things. Than somebody smoking a cigarette out in the parking lot. That don't bother him near as much. As a lot of other things. Going on in people's lives. There's some greed. And some gossip in some people's spirit. That's a whole lot more dangerous. Than the beer that guy drank last night. Or the cigarette they smoked in the parking lot.
let's be real careful walking around with our shears. I, I knew of a lady one time told my dad, she said, I have my ministry. And she said, my ministry is God put me on this planet. She said, he put me on this planet to, 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 uh, to clip preachers and to keep them in line. And he said, that's strange. He said, I've looked at all the gifts of fruits of the spirit and I've never seen that as one of those. I've read that through lots of time, but I've never seen it in there where it said that he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and pastor clippers. Never got that one. Hmm. So, so the vine dresser, the father, is not interested in going through the vine and trying to find, you know, we get this picture in our mind and he's walking through the, the vineyard and he's just got a big old uh, set of clippers on his shoulder and he's come through the vine and he's looking for something to cut. I mean, hey, who can I cast in a fire today? And that's how some believers live their life. Oh, I better, me- I better not mess up. Oh, my lands. Oh, oh my goodness. I, 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 I just thought of a cuss word I said back in fifth grade. I shouldn't have thought that word. I'm going to hell. I just saw a picture of somebody and I, I thought something I shouldn't have thought. Oh, no. What's going to happen to me now? Some people live under a lot of bondage. Because they see the vine dresser coming through the vineyard with clippers. And they don't see what he's really carrying. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. They just see him coming through the vineyard looking to, cl- looking to clip. He's constantly looking to clip. I'm going to clip you and I'm going to clip you. I don't like the way you looked. I don't like your attitude. I don't like what you said. I don't like what you did. I'm just casting you into the fire. Not going to happen. That's not the picture of our father that, 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 that he wants us to see or to think. That's not our father. And that's not what Jesus wants us to think about our father. But I want you to understand that according to verse 6, it is a last-ditch effort. That if what we're about to talk about can't happen and doesn't happen, at some point, then the vine dresser, with, with much grief and sorrow, does get out the clippers at some point because he has to. And you say, well, pastor, I, I disagree. I don't think this is Christians. This is unbelievers. No, wait a minute. You can't cut something off that never was on. I never have to cut limbs at my house that have not grown. Be walking around outside, just imaginary, cutting, just cutting the air. And that is the picture you would have to have if you believe that this is talking about believers and sinners. He's not talking about sinners here. We not, he's not looking to cut sinners off the vine. Sinners aren't on the vine. These are believers that for some reason... Nothing has reached them, nothing has happened, and they have made a decision to walk away from God and have done so for so long. It's not that he won't hear them and love them and beckon them back, but they've gotten so far from him that they don't hear his voice anymore, and they refuse to come back, and at that point, they're cut off. Good news is, that doesn't have to be you. And for all of those of you that came here this morning that have said, I didn't even think about, I was thinking about not even coming today because I feel like I committed the unpardonable sin. I don't think I could be saved because, you know, I, I, I laughed one time at the Holy Spirit, somebody speaking in tongues, or I, or I, or I said something bad about God and, and I just felt like I blasphemed the whole, I'm going to tell you something. If you care, if you care, then you haven't. If you still care, if you still convicted, if you still love Jesus and wish you could come home, you can. 
There is no sin you could commit to so bad you can't come home. This is the vine dresser going through the vineyard right now. He's looking for those branches who have drooped off of the trellis and they are now growing along on the ground, but they're not growing very good because they're covered by dirt and they're covered by mud and they're not getting the sun and they're not getting the air and they're just below the rest of the plants and they're walling around in the mud and they're not producing fruit. I got to take you back now. I haven't said that about verse six, because here's the good news. Verse two and three, every branch, this is confusing because you got to listen. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And everyone that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word, which I've spoken to you. That doesn't make sense. Two and three do three does not make sense after two, unless something changes about verse two, because there's nothing about Clipping and taking away that would cause something to be washed. Oh, you say, well, no, that's not what it means, Pastor. It means it would be purged because the bad is gone, so now it's clean. Nah, that's not that. Don't do damage to the context in that way. Hang on a minute. Let me show you something. I always thought that verse 2 and 3 and 6 went together. They meant the same thing. I always thought that if the branch got dry and withered and, and unhealthy that it would be cut off at some point and burned. And I still believe that eventually that will have to happen if that branch will not receive what the the vine dresser is going to do for it. But it only happens as a last resort. Here's what I discovered in in, in studying all this. The vine dresser doesn't want to cut any of the branches because all of the branches are far too valuable in the vineyard. In a real vineyard, he does not want to cut cut those branches he sees potential in them and he wants them to produce fruit so he's not going around looking for branches to cut he's looking instead to do something else with them it's where we're going you still with me say amen i need to make you aware of the meanings of a couple of words because without a clear understanding of this verse three doesn't make sense nor does it fit You say to yourself, why would he be clinging a branch that's worthless and that he's about to cut and burn, right? Verse 3, why would he be cleaning? Why would he be cleaning a branch that he's about to cut and burn? Why would he be doing that? I want you to look at two phrases. promise you'll stay with me for about five, ten more minutes, and you're going to walk away here with, with the freedom in your spirit that you had never had before, some of you. Look at verse 2 and look at the phrase where it says he takes away. Here is the definition. Here is the meaning of the word he takes away. It has two definitions. Some of us only heard one. Here's the definition of he takes away. It means to take up or away, to put away and remove. That's one of them. It also means, you ready? To raise, to carry, and to lift up. Or to loose. Now there's two different meanings and two very different results. One of the meanings says get rid of. The other one says raise it up and turn it loose. So what, when, which one are we going with? Well, that's your decision. Which one you're going with is your decision. Now let me show you another one. What about where he says he prunes it? You say, oh, that one, that just destroyed where you're trying to go, Pastor. Now, wait a minute. Here's what he prunes it means. It means to prune, to purge, but then it also means to cleanse. Two different 
results, two different meanings. One is to cut something off. The other one is to clean it. Uh Uh-oh. Again, it's my decision what I'm going to do with this. So I got to explain this so that you can determine if if this word for you today is a warning or an encouragement. I want you to see a picture with me. I want you to see the picture of the vine dresser. He's walking through the vineyard, examining the vines. He looks and sees the vine is always strong. His, the branches, some of them are thriving and they're lush and they're producing huge amounts of fruit. And he's so pleased with these particular branches that he's going to give them anything they need in order to continue their production. But now he sees a sight that sickens him. He's very discouraged because here trailing along on the ground are a few branches that have fallen off of the trellis. And they're covered in dirt and they're dry and they're withered and they're fruitless and they're very unhealthy. What's he going to do? I want you to notice something about this. Here's something I learned when I was studying this. The vine dresser is walking through the vineyard carrying a bucket of water. And when he comes along this branch that has been growing in the dirt, he stops. He doesn't want to cut it off because it's too productive. It's got too much potential. So he bends down, Greg, and he picks up this branch and he dips it in the bucket of water and he washes it off real good. And then he ties it back up on the trellis so the sun and the air can get to it. And now it has the opportunity to produce fruit again. It couldn't do that if they cut it off and burn it. See, I told you that was going to get you excited especially every dirty branch in the house. Every dirty branch in the house just woke up and said, he just said, there's hope for me. He just said, I have a chance. He just showed me by the word that Jesus loves me and that the father thinks I'm too productive and too beneficial and got too much potential to cast away. All of those of you that laid on your pillows at night worrying and fretting and thinking, oh, that's it. That's too late for me. There's no chance for me. There's no hope for me. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I've gone too far. God can't use me. God don't love me. God called me, but he's never going to fulfill his calling in me now. I messed up. And God said, hang on a minute. I'm not carrying clippers. I'm carrying a bucket of water. Some of you are interested now. You get in your Bibles and you're like, I'm going to go and study that. I don't know if he's telling the truth. I never heard that before. That's because you heard two definitions, the first two of each of those phrases, and you never heard the other ones. That's why I said verse 2 and 3 are different than 6, and that's why 3 makes sense. 3 didn't make sense when we were, when we were cutting and casting, but if we're going to take it away, which means pick it up, wash it off, loose it, and hang it back up, then it now makes sense in verse 3 that he's cleaned it. Wasn't no need in cleaning them. I, I tell you something, I cut some branches. Katie and I cut some branches and we threw them in the fire. We did not wash them first. I love the way y'all are always so smart and stay so far ahead of me. God is going to do everything that he can do to keep that branch from withering up and dying. He does not want to lose a branch, not a single branch. 
He's much more interested in washing off these branches and giving them a second chance than he is in cutting them and throwing them in the fire. It's the last, last thing. Verse 6 is the last thing that's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you that doesn't give you a license to sin. That just gave you a second chance. That just woke you up and told you, hey, man, I get back on track here. That calling on your life, sir, God has not changed his mind. If he called you, he did not change his mind. His gifts are without repentance. If he called you and he wanted you to do something, it's not too late. You say, well, I've let 35 years go by. I don't care. Start today. It's not too late. Get in the bucket. Get washed up. Get back up on the trellis and start producing fruit. That is why you're on this planet. We're not here for any other reason. We are here to produce fruit. I'm not here to be happy. I'm not here to be healthy. I'm not here to have all my prayers answered. I am here to be a productive branch producing fruit out of the vine of Christ. And if I'm doing that, guess what the scripture said? I'm going to live an abundant life. Hmm. You get it, don't you? Every branch decides. They're not all perfect, but they're all valuable. So here's our conclusion. Here's where we're going. Every healthy branch in the building, don't stand up and begin to beat your chest just yet and thank God you're not like those poor sinners. Otherwise, you are. Because your pride is just as bad and damnable as their sin. But do this. Every healthy branch in the building Rejoice in the fact that God has allowed you to be a part of the vine and to produce fruit. Today is a severe day. I know no other word besides severe to, to, to communicate to you. A severe day of celebration for a healthy branch. He is risen and I'm living for him and I'm working for him. And he's doing things through me and I love my life. I'm living an abundant life. Healthy branches rejoice. Dirty branches, be encouraged. You don't have to leave again today thinking, okay, I'm going to come back next Christmas and next Easter and I'm going to endure these messages and endure this conviction because I can't do nothing. I'm not going to change. I mean, I'll be back Christmas. I'll be back Mother's Day. I can't get my life straight, so ain't no need me coming any other time, but I'll be back on them special days to make people around me happy, but I don't feel like I can do anything in myself to change, so no need me coming all making a commitment to this thing, right? And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you got it wrong. He sees potential in you. Just because you're walling around right now don't mean a good wash in a bucket can't get you straight. And that's what today's about. Today, the vine dresser is walking through the vineyard. He's walking through the vineyard. He's not got clippers in his hand, but he's carrying a water bucket. And he's looking at you and he's deciding whether or not it's time to wash you off again. And whether or not you need to be put back up on the trellis. Dirty branches be encouraged. Those of you who are not branches at all. You say, Pastor, I thought this wasn't to us. I mean, we got left out of this whole message. No, it says that if you abide in him, that means you have a choice. So here's your decision today, your opportunity today to become a branch. You hadn't been a branch. Now you got a chance to be a branch. You got a chance today to come and surrender your heart life to Christ and become grafted into the vine and start receiving everything that the vine has to produce. You could become productive just like these healthy branches. You can be a healthy branch too. And you're going to get that opportunity here in just a minute.
The only people that could leave here today discouraged are branches who refuse to be corrected. They're the only ones that have to worry about this word today. Ones that one more time just neglect the preaching of the word. Branches who have accepted Christ, but they just will not get up out of the mud. They don't want to and they won't. You're the only ones that need to be worded a little bit today, a little bit warned. I want you to understand something about this passage. These were some of the last teachings of Jesus before his crucifixion. Do you realize this? John chapter 15 took place just a few days before Christ is going. In fact, he's getting ready to tell them about how, where he's going, what they're getting ready to do. They're, they're, they're headed to Jerusalem, and in a few days, he's going to be going through, a cruci- uh, through the trial and the crucifixion. These are some of the last teachings that Jesus gives us before he goes away. How important is this teaching? It's one of the last things he gives us. It's got to be pretty important. Why? Because he's saying, I'm going to go pay with my life the ultimate price. I do not want people living in bondage and condemnation. I do not want people living in ignorance. I do not want people not getting the full message. I'm going to make sure that here at this, here, here on the, you know, what do you tell people? People say on their deathbed, they tell people the most important thing. Here's Jesus. He's winding it down and he's saying, these are some of the most important things I can say to you. My father loves you. That's why I'm here. My father loves you. He don't want to clip you. He don't want to burn you. He wants to save you. He loves you. You've got something great for your life. He's got a plan and a purpose. Before I go to this cross, I need everybody to understand why I'm going. Not so we can be judgmental and crush and kill and hurt and maim and destroy and burn. It's so we can save and heal and help and bless. I would like for you to bow your heads for a moment. Close your eyes. You say, Pastor, is there something mystical that happens when we bow our heads and close our eyes? I've heard preachers say that lots of times. No, it's the truth of the matter is it's just our way of getting you to keep looking at everybody else. There's nothing spiritual about it, nothing mystical or magical or anything. Just our way of getting you to let somebody else have a little privacy so that they can deal with the word. There's a lot of people in this room this morning who want to deal with this word. There are some people in this room today who are not branches, but they want to be. And the Holy Spirit's reaching out to you and saying, I want to, I want to graft you into the vine. I want to make you a part of the family. I have tremendous plans for your life. Now, I would, I, I, I'm going to stand up here and try to talk you out of making that decision. I hear a lot of preachers just say, everybody come, everybody come, everybody pray this prayer. I'm going to tell you something. I'm convinced that a lot of people praying the prayer don't mean it doesn't do any good. If you're not ready to make him the Lord, not just the Savior, but the master of your life, then don't waste your time coming down here praying a little prayer. But if you're one of those people that the Holy Spirit's been convicting and you say, I love Jesus and I want to serve him and I'm ready to give him my all, then I want you to come down to these altars and I'm going to have people come and pray with you. I want you to take a stand. I'm telling you, it's one of the toughest things you'll ever do. I, I did it. I did this one time in Joplin. I stood up in front of lots of people. It was a big church and I walked down the aisle and it was so hard. The first couple steps was so difficult. But after I got moving, it got easier. And I promise you're not going to be here by yourself. The scripture says that you've got to be able to publicly profess him.
you've got to be able to not be ashamed. You want him to save you and you want him to be the Lord of your life. You've got to be happy about that, excited. He's proud of you. You've got to be proud of him. least you could do is stand up and take a walk for him. If that's you, you say, I want to be one of these every branches. I want to be a branch today. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. Then I want you to get up to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. Who am I talking to? All over this room, if that's you and you're, a, you're one of these that want to become a branch. You're not a branch, but you want to be. I want you to stand. Hurry, stand. Stand. If that's you, if that's you, stand to your feet. Now, every one of you that would say, I'm a branch, but I've been down in the mud and I I didn't know how much Jesus cared about me. I thought he'd forgot about me. I thought the Christians were moving on without me. I didn't think I was necessary to this. I didn't think God had anything for me, but a a clipping and a burning. And now you're saying that he wants to, he wants to lovingly wash me and put me back on the trellis. I want that today. God sent you here today to hear that word. I want all of you dirty branches to stand up where you at, stand to your feet, all the dirty branches. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. This is an opportunity for you today. It's a great opportunity for you today where God is getting ready to wash you clean again set you free come on there's some other folks that need to do this don't let your pride stand in the way pastor neil is going to lead us in a song and i want all of those of you that are standing i want you to when he's when he leads us i want you to step out and come down to these altars i want you just to kneel down you say by myself pastor well you know what i think so i think it's okay today for you to kneel down by yourself and just let the Holy Spirit work through this, this ministry of this message of this song. I want you to be hearing from him. And I don't want anybody speaking into your ear today. I just want the Holy Spirit talking to you. But I want you to come and I want you to kneel. If you're standing, I want you to come and kneel around these altars. And I want and those of you that need to pray the prayer uh, of forgiveness, I want you to just ask Jesus. All you're doing is saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Hear me? I'm just saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my past. I want to live for you. And he's going to save you. And all of those dirty branches, I want you just to come down. And I want you to say, Lord, wash me again. Wash me again in that bucket. God, let that water wash over me again. Wash me. Put me back up on the trellis. God, give me back my purpose. Give me back my zeal. Give me back your spirit. Give me back that anointing that I used to know. God, give me back that ability to walk in your spirit. And now all the rest of you, I want you just to extend your hands this way toward these. Or, or if you want to pray anywhere around the house, you're welcome. Get up, walk around, kneel where you're at, stand, come around. I don't care, but this is a house of prayer. Reverence it as such. Don't, don't make a lot of noise and don't be in and out. But, but just in this house and in this atmosphere, don't create a distraction for these. But let's pray. God's doing a miracle in this room right now. And as they lead us in this song, I want all of us to either worship or to be in prayer for these who are down in these altars. And I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit, through this song, through this message, I pray that you would touch every person in this altar, that they will hear your voice, that you'll speak to them again, and that they'll sense your presence and your anointing in their life again. In Jesus' name, amen.